Peter Schwitzer? Oh, yeah, it's the guy I listened to when I made my first billion. He's one clever son of a... Five, four... We're online. The hottest internet station. It's time for The Switzer Show with the guy who makes getting richer easier than running up a credit card bill, Peter Switzer. Hello and welcome to The Switzer Show. I'm Peter Switzer. I'm joined by my colleague, Paul Rickard. Hi, Paul. Hello, Peter. Now, you're the kind of guy who really gets off when you get close to election time. I'm a little bit more relaxed about elections, but you are a political junkie. I should actually point out to all my listeners that as a young man at Sydney University, you knocked off Albo to be the, was it the student yeah, union I, president? What was it? What were I going beat Albo in uh, the election, popular election, Peter, popular, popular yes. <laughs> for the Students' Representative Council back in the uh, very, yeah. very early 80s. But uh, anyhow, yeah. knocked him off. Yeah. He was a bit hard. Were you on the Liberal ticket? Or no, I was, on, I was on the right wing of the ALP and he was a hard left oh, man. So he's, he's man, we've both matured a long way in our, in our views. He's not... Uh, I think I, I'm not... A facilitist, which I think is Malcolm McCarris, but I have a strong interest in elections and I the mathematics of, of voting and uh, mm. I think it's very interesting. So I think it's going to be close, Pete. I don't know I mean, about what, you. But did your parent, you live on the North Shore and you went for the Labor Party. Were you being a rebel then, were well, you? Well, yeah, the old thing, if you're not sort of got, got a conscience when you're young and yeah. <laughs> what is it, a heart when you're young yeah, and a head yeah, when you're... Yeah, if, you, if, if, you're, if you're under 40 and you don't vote Labor, you haven't got a heart. And if you're voting for Labor after the age of 40, you haven't got a brain. Yeah. That's the unfair little observation. I True. don't support that, <laughs> but that's what a lot of people say. All right, so first of all, it's a big election week. So we're talking to Alice Workman. Now, she's a political correspondent for The Australian and the host of the Scrutineers podcast. Uh, we'll talk to her about news pilots come out. And also, I think it's a really big play, uh, the Prime Minister going for first home buyers. It was so good that Labor instantly matched it. You don't see that very often, Paul, do you? You don't see that. I mean, there's it, a few details still to come out on this policy. I'm sort of a bit, bit 50-50 in the policy, Peter, but I believe it's only for, it's only a half a billion dollars and all up, and it's potentially only 10000 loan so mm. I think they've got to work it through but in principle I guess there's some ideas also I suppose it just shows you what can happen in the political field because um, it's in just a little bit imp- impact today on, on Genworth's uh, stock, they're mm. the, of course the largest mortgage ins- uh, lenders mortgage provider of lenders mortgage yeah. insurance and they would have gone home on a Friday night thinking yep well world's nice weekend and they come in on Monday morning and of course there's a surprise announcement that no one has any warning of. So Is it good for them or bad, Paul? Look, it's probably a bit mixed. It probably takes away a little bit of market share. The market hasn't done too much to it but mm. it just shows you that in, in stocks uh, there is a, this factor called political risk yeah. and, you know, come Monday morning next week we're going to see potentially a change of government uh, and will have an impact on the stock market yeah. as we move forward. And then we're going to be talking to Julia mm. Lee from Bell Direct. And I've got Julia to tell us what stock she, you know, we should be buying before the Saturday election. So that should be... We're going to ask her to put her, her money where her mouth I is. I think she does. Get, and yeah. say what where she thinks it, what the result's going to be. Yeah. Well, maybe, yeah. But, but Julia certainly is an investor. She's not just a talking head. She puts her money on the line. So we'll see what she's doing. That's the and, show. And we should nail it off with your tip and my tip, shouldn't uh, we? I guess so. I've got to put, put myself on the line as well. Okay. Okay, so that's the show, uh, and so without any further ado, let's go to Alice Workman, who's the political correspondent for The Australian and the host of the Scrutineers podcast. Alice, thanks for joining us. 
Oh, great to be here. Alice, let's start with the news poll because they gave you a, a big plug that you're the person we should talk to, you or Dennis Shanahan, <laughs> and we, we prefer to talk to you. So, so what did you think of the news poll result? Is it telling you that the government hasn't got a chance? Yeah, look, I mean, obviously, if an election was held right this very second, Labor would win. And that's what news poll has been predicting. With every election, the numbers are always going to tighten towards the end as people realise they have to, you know, start actively making up their minds. Although I'm sure we'll talk in a minute about the huge number of pre-polls that we've seen. But uh, this is more in line, I think, with with what we've been seeing uh, from the parties themselves. So I was talking to some Labor sources this morning about what their internal tracking is giving them. They think that the two-party preferred might be slightly wider, more like a 48.52 than the than the 49.51 we're seeing at the moment. But, you know, that's in line with Bill's improved uh rating after the, the big stuff that happened last week. So I think that we are, we're pretty much on track to, to be back to where we were five weeks ago, which is Labor probably still winning on Saturday. Mm. And the Liberal Party seemed to take a bit of comfort from their primary vote going up to 39%, Alice. I mean, I, I take it that can all be in the margin of error. But look, how important are the primary vote versus the two-party preferred when it comes to Saturday's result? Oh, primary vote is, is definitely more important than two-party preferred. Obviously, there are a lot of seats that will come down to preferences, but you need to have a high enough primary vote in the very first place in order to just get over line in, in the seats that you need in order to win a majority government. Uh, it'll be interesting to see on Saturday whether uh, how accurate the, the, the polling has been because there are polling, of course, there's the news poll that, that we do at The Australian, but the other polling companies, and they're all within a certain number of points of each other. So it will be interesting to see on Saturday uh, whether the sentiment of the swings that, that we will see when the results come through are reflected in these polls or if they could be tighter or wider. It'll be an interesting thing to see. Alice, what will history judge this election? You know, is it going to be the climate change election? Is it going to be the, you know, the, the failure of the Liberals to lead? How do you think it will be remembered? It's quite interesting. I've seen a lot of people describe it as a rather boring election, which is frankly not my opinion at all. I mm. think that generally campaigns are quite interesting, but th there are so many interesting stories from this campaign that really put it at its place in history. I think the the rise of the... I guess the collective of independents that are running mm. on a pro-climate change ticket is really fascinating and that um, the, the call about it being an election really driven on climate change it is, is true and, and it's reflected in, in all sorts of data from what people are Googling. Climate change is the number one issue that people are Googling followed by um, employment and immigration uh, and also based on Facebook sentiment, what people are writing online and, and sharing with each other but I think that social media is also a really interesting story from this election campaign. We uh, didn't see any of the... We, we came, uh, The 2016 campaign came before what happened in America when um, Donald Trump was elected and the huge swathes of foreign interference and the role of, of so-called fake news online influencing people's votes. And I think a really targeted campaign of misinformation. We missed that last time around in 2016. So this is the first time that we're seeing... Uh, Facebook and WeChat and social media platforms like this have a big influence because huge swathes of our population are so disengaged from politics and unfortunately from the news cycle generally. And so they get their information through these alternate sources. Mm. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there who are 
spreading lies. And, and one of the, I wrote a column for the paper on the weekend about how the the out of control rumor about Labor introducing a death tax comes back to people copying and pasting information that they see on Facebook that's completely unverified. And Facebook actively saying, well, we don't want to really get involved in this and we won't delete things even if we do find out that they are false. So it's uh, it's a, it's been a very interesting campaign, I think, and, and it's only going to get nastier uh, and dirtier online in the, in the next few days as we see the advertising blackout kick in on Wednesday night. But that's only a blackout for television and radio and print online and in streaming services. They're allowed to keep running ads. So it'll be interesting to see what the campaigns do uh, in order, because it's going to be very close and everyone's admitted it's going to be close and no one wants to lose. Hmm. Alice, do you think we're going to see another Medi-Scare type um, campaign from, from either side of the party? Well, I think that the death tax is the Medi-Scare of this campaign because I uh, have been talking to people from or I was up on the Central Coast on the weekend and talking to people out um, uh, over in WA. People genuinely believe that Labor, if they win government, will bring in some form of inheritance tax, despite the party ad nauseum saying we absolutely won't do it. And some of the things making uh, the rounds online say, I have a bit of a caveat at the end of it and say, look, you might have seen that Labor have denied it, but don't trust them because they've done deals with the the Greens in the past, and we all know what Julia Gillard said about not mm. introducing a carbon tax, et cetera, et cetera. So that's one big side of it. And the other smaller version um, that I think is more focused from Labor attack ads as opposed to just conversationally is about the Labor running very targeted uh, advertisements in local areas about hospital and education funding. And um, the technology online is so advanced now, and I'm sure you would know this from, you know, scrolling through Google or using your search engine and looking up things, and then all of a sudden, you know, you may have Googled a holiday to Malaysia, and all of a sudden you're seeing these ads about places to say Malaysia popping up. The way that the search engines work now, um, they can really target these ads, and, and they can target them so finely based on where you live, your age, and the things that you're interested in in search for, that Labor are running such targeted advertising about your local area. And, of course, we have very interesting rules in Australia by the AAC about what you can and can't say in political advertising. But the rule essentially is, as long as it's authorised and there's a name and a party to the advertisement or a third party, then anything goes. There's no real truth in advertising rule, um, unlike, you know, normal advertising. So a lot of, uh, you know, you can... There's a lot of misinformation based in the attack ads that are running, I think, from kind of every party in the campaign. So it sounds like we can have a couple of very interesting days at the end of the week. But just uh, mm. let's assume the news poll is correct and, and even the internal polling is... So we do end up with... Uh, Bill Shorten is, I think he would be 30, Australia's 31st Prime Minister next week. Where do you see the Liberal Party going, given that it looks like it's going to be you know, more progressive voters in the metropolitan areas in Sydney and, and Melbourne in particular, uh, and, and, and in many quite conservative seats voting uh, for you know, effectively a very pro-climate change type agenda, yet the Liberal Party hanging on and been quite united, but what happens after the election? Does the whole climate change issue come back and haunt the Liberal Party again? I think that they will be 
huge fights within not just the Liberal Party but the coalition, depending on what the result is. We already know that in Queensland there are huge tensions between the Liberal Party and the National Party, um, despite the fact that in Queensland they are one together as the LNP. There's huge fights already about the, the campaigns that they're running. The Nationals aren't happy with... Uh, the Liberals' decision to run campaigns based on how well the economic performance is. They'd much rather run campaigns on the cost of energy. And they, I was talking to one national uh, on the ground who said to me, why aren't we running attack ads uh, about uh, a grandma who can't afford to heat her food up or turn her lights on because energy prices are going so much. This is the number one issue on the ground at the moment in Queensland. So there is already issues uh, within the party, but it'll be fascinating to see what happens, especially since yesterday when Scott Morrison did his campaign launch. He decided to make the one-man Scott Morrison show, I guess because there are a lot of people in Victoria who especially after the state election last year, aren't happy with the Liberals, probably aren't happy with the turnaround of, of prime ministers in the party. So there's a number of areas that I'm sure will cause a lot of internal fighting. And if, from what I'm hearing on the ground, Josh Frydenberg has been tapped as the man to reshape the party and bring a generational change. Because like the Labor Party did, I think a lot comes down to having wiping away the things that people have problems with, which is the people that are hanging around in the party continually causing problems and causing disruption and bringing a new face to the party and trying to bring it forward into the future. So, Alice, if, for example, Tony Abbott should lose his seat, would that really put the right-wing conservative part of the party really under pressure to, to capitulate and, and, be, and go modern on things like climate change? It's an interesting question because a lot of it comes down to not only uh, how what the numbers are, so the moderates versus uh, the conservatives, but also uh, some of the older legacy people like Tony Abbott, like Erica Betts, like Kevin Andrews, who are very... Erica Betts is still a very powerful figure mm. in Tasmania um, and he controls a lot of what the party policy is. And so I think that... What will be interesting to see is if Labor form a government and they put their policy agenda right in the centre and they go for and they say going forward this is what we're going to be and we're going to be progressive and we're aiming for these renewable targets. Whether the coalition decides to go further to the right to give a mounting contrast, or if it if it the party itself agrees to come together and say we need to go back to opposition from the centre and Labor will be governing from the centre and we need to have a viable policy in order to swing voters back towards us. Yep. It'll be really interesting to watch. Mm. Look, um, do you think a hung parliament's a chance? Uh, I, <laughs> I mean, it's a, mug, it's a mug's game to make predictions, I think, but <laughs> I think that there will be a number of surprises on Saturday. Uh, Herbert in Queensland, of course, the ultra-marginal seat that Labor won by less than 40 votes in 2016 is definitely one to watch. But when you've got very traditionally safe seats like Cowper, Farrah, Higgins, Karangamite, in Flinders in Victoria, all looking like they're up for grabs, when you've got some of the, the most prominent, prominent ministers thinking, you know, in Kuyong, Josh Frydenberg gave an interview this morning that says that he thinks that he is, it's a possibility he could lose his seat when he's the deputy elected of the Liberal Party mm. in the country mm. and he could, he could have his head on the line. So I think we're going to see a lot of surprises uh, on Saturday. Uh, I'm not sure if it will 
come close to a hung parliament. Labor, as I said, thinks that they will get there with a with a couple of seats to spare. But oh, by golly, it's going to be a close one. One last seat that I'm interested in is the um, the seat of Wentworth. Now, a lot mm. of people a lot of people think that it was a protest vote um, to get Dr. Phelps up. But it seems to me if she wins again, it's basically telling the Liberal Party that the trendies, the wealthy, they're on board with climate change. Mm. And this is the, the issue that you brought up before. There is a term uh, of doctor's wives voters, which I think is probably a bit outdated. A bit sexist. A little sexist. With a name I, like Workman, you've got to be careful, Alice. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, they call the doctor's wives voters, but I'm not, which I think is outdated, but I'm just not sure what the, what the newfangled term should be. Maybe <laughs> yeah. maybe you could come up with one, Peter. Yeah, I'll try but to. I think that, uh, that, that, is, that is the real battle that's happening in the Liberal Party here. How do mm. they... Uh, manage these voters who are economically liberal voters. They want lower taxes. They they agree with certain amounts of liberal policy, but something about climate change at this election is pushing them to vote for an independent and not vote for a liberal candidate. I mean, it could definitely... I mean, Climate change obviously is a very big issue. It could also be what happened to Malcolm Turnbull that is coming back to bite the party. I don't know if, mm. uh, you know, it hasn't been a year yet. I'm not sure if everyone's over it, mm. uh, especially the, the people that, that live around where Malcolm lives. But uh, th- this is the issue that they have to grapple with. How do they, the country is so divided and the party is so split between what's happening in seats like Wentworth and in seats like Higgins in Victoria, where you have more you have these affluent areas that are wanting to be progressive and vote liberal, but they're being, they feel like they're being held back by the conservative side of the party. How, how do they deal with that? And it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Alice Workman, but the liberals, but, but I will say the, liberal, the Liberals' internal polling think that Dave Sharma is going to get up, so we'll, uh, we'll have to wait and see on that one. Very interesting. Alice, thanks for joining us on the program. Very interesting. Happy to be here. Thanks, Pete. And now... A word from our sponsors. Have you got a home loan? Do you know what you're being charged? Check your rate and if it's more than 3.89%, call us at Switzer Home Loans. Our rate for a variable home loan is 3.89%. That's right, 3.89% is all you'll pay. Interested? Call 1300 664 339 or Google Switzer Home Loans. Now, here's Switzy. And of course, whenever we talk about headline, of course, when we talk about, and of course, remember, when we talk about advertised rates like 3.89%, we're talking about headline or advertised rates and our comparison rate. The difference between the two, of course, is fees. Now, joining us on the program, Paul, is your former employee and wonderful money woman, Julia Lee from Bell Direct. What do you call her, Paul? Stock superstar. Uh, That's what she is. Julia, thanks for joining us. A pleasure, Pete and Paul. (laughs) All right, Julia, we've got you here because it's a really easy question we want to ask you. A... Who do you think is going to win the election? And B, what stock should people be buying before and then later after the election? Are you really going to ask me who I'm voting for in the election? No, no, no. <laughs> who you think will win? Look, I know you you love Look, to be on a winner, so therefore, whatever whoever you say is going to win, you probably will vote for. But who do you think will win? 
I think Labor will win, but I think the key question for markets is what is the Senate composition going to be like? Who will have the balance of power and will the independents be the, uh, I guess, the casting vote in getting key policy measures through? So, look, the market likes certainty and I think the fact that the election is this weekend and that we get it over and done with will be a positive for markets. Do you think markets will bounce on on that, um, on, on the election being over? Look, I think it, it will be a better outlook for the Australian share market. To tell you the truth, I think the Australian, not only the Australian share market, but global share markets at the moment are being driven by two key factors. One is a conclusion to the US-China talks, and hopefully that will be a positive conclusion. And number two is central banks' actions around the globe, particularly the US Federal Reserve. The fact is that the US Federal Reserve seems to be on the path for lower for longer is what gives confidence to the markets at the moment. If we either of those two key factors um, playing up, then I think the market would increase in terms of volatility and I guess movements towards the downside. But because of the election, I think a lot of Australian domestic stocks have been under pressure. And I think for those type of stocks, the fact that we do get the election out of the way and further certainty about the Australian economy and the Australian share market, Australian businesses will be a positive. Let's assume that uh, Labor gets in, Julia, and uh, generally we know Labor's going to spend money on things like education and in healthcare. Renewables. Renewables. So do we get a bit of a further bounce on, on Monday with some of the stocks that uh, in, say, in the childcare space and potentially some of the, the diagnostic images and others in healthcare? I think we could get a small bounce, but the funny thing about the share market, Paul, is that it factors in new information. Mm-hmm. So a lot of this information is already known and has already been factored into share prices. The increased certainty means there's probably a little bit more to go, but the majority of the uh, information that's already in the market has probably been factored in. One of the things I am watching very closely, we know that the telcos have seen quite a rocky ride in 2019, especially with the competition watchdog. Um, saying no to the the TPG, Vodafone, Hutchison merger. But one of the things uh, that Labor has been talking about is a write-down to the MBN, which Mm. could pave the way to cheaper prices. And that would be a positive for the likes of Telstra as well as TPG, which are resellers of the MBN, particularly for Telstra, which has been on a bit of a resurge at the moment. I think that could continue upwards a little bit more. Do you think that's in the market or is... uh the market's given a lot to that, that, that happening? I think Telstra's resurgence over the last couple of weeks has really been around um, one of its major competitors being taken out by ACCC action. It looks like now TPG is going to go to court with the ACCC mm-hmm. and this could drag on for 12 months. It comes at an absolutely crucial time for Uh, the telecommunications industry where major competitors like Telstra as well as Optus are building out their 5G network. Now, TPG has already uh, put a halt to their 5G build, but the fact that their competitors are moving onwards and upwards, whereas they're stuck in limbo for 12 months, I think comes at a particularly unfortunate time for TPG. So let's move on to things like the retailers. I mean, we've seen, uh, I mean, everyone says elections are bad for consumer Mm. sentiment, uh, people defer major purchases. Do we just sort of get a bit of relief, you think, on Monday once the election's out of the way? Or was that just me being a little naive and saying the market sort of, uh, there's too many other bigger factors for to to really see any sort of relief type rally on Monday? 
Well, Paul, I guess we have seen Aussie consumers under pressure. The wealth effect taking effect as housing remains soft across Australia. Vehicle sales have been impacted. Real retail sales have been at an eight-year low. We know that core inflation is down to a record low as well. Now, Labor has been talking about cuts to low to middle income earners. And I guess the great thing is that low to middle income earners, when they do receive stimulus or tax cuts, they do spend uh, a lot of it or most of it. Um, And that gives a a big boost to, I guess, consumer type of companies as well as the economy. So, look, I see this move as being good for consumers. In particular, the consumer staple stocks have been performing well in 2019. And I would continue to back those consumer staple stocks. My pick will be Coles at the moment on a valuation basis. But the flip side of that is that Labor has also been talking about getting rid of the cash rebate of franking credits. Now, we already know that there's been an impact to the consumer side of, uh, I guess, uh, retirees, uh, or as we call them, nomad silver travellers. We've seen profit warnings from the likes of Flight Centre, bricks and mortar uh, travel, as well as caravans, Apollo. Um, So just watching those negative areas of consumer spend as well as the positive ones. So Mm -hmm. positive on consumer staples, probably a bit more cautious on those uh, consumer type of stocks which are exposed to more of the retiree space. And if by fluke we go back into say the result on the weekend's not clear cut and we have like a 2010 scenario again where it took Oakshot mm. and Winds and wherever it was, what a best yeah. part of two weeks I think At before they weeks, uh, came yeah. out and decided uh, which way they, which party they were going to back. Um, what's the scenario Please there for no. the market? Please no. Please no. <laughs> The market doesn't like uncertainty, so I guess that would be one of the worst-case scenarios for the market where we did see that uncertainty. Uh, I think the best-case scenario is that it um, goes strongly to one party or the other and that the balance of power also uh, goes to that party as well. That would be good news. Um, That certainty would be good news for the market, even though some of the individual policies might not be good for certain sectors of the market. Well, that's my next question, because we know that the Royal Commission was driven by Bill Shorten. Do you think banks would cop it after the election? Because if they're going to pick on one group of businesses, uh, Labor will pick on banks. I think there's a difference between the campaigning period and then getting into office. And I think the last thing that Labor probably wants if they do get into power is a continued softening of the Australian economy, which would make it extremely difficult for them to get yeah. into, a power for, into power for a second term. So I think if Labor does get into government, the question is whether a lot of those policies will get over the line. And also if we do see a little bit of a switch in focus to hopefully help support economic growth in Australia and help the chances for re-election in the next election in four years' time. Okay, one question for me which could put you in uh, conflict with your old boss. He believes that um, after this election there could be a bill short-term boom, people chasing property and stocks because of the capital gains discount change on January 1. What do you say to your old boss on that subject, Julia? I'd have to agree with him. And look, oh, I think you didn't seem to be saying that two weeks ago when I put it to you. <laughs> Chicken. I do agree with it short term. The question is, I think, uh, what happens after the 1st of January? And are we facing a potential cliff um, if we do see those changes come through? What is true, though, is that 
our groups like REA Group in past elections have seen a sudden plummet in activity. And generally after elections are over, they see greater activity. And with a group like REA Group, which looks at online listings for housing or even domain, if you do see a resurgence in uh, activity, greater housing turnover, that would be a positive. I'd prefer REA Group, which is the leader and 90% of real estate agents use its services. And look, I think it would be good news for those listing companies. The other company I'm watching at the moment is Lendlease. This one is one that I've liked for a while. Mm. Um, and if they do spin off their engineering division, that would be seen as a positive. But the global urban regeneration business is world class. And look, it's a global business. Not only Barangaroo, but they're in Singapore, in KL, in Shanghai, in Tokyo. And look, I think this is a medium term driver of growth. And I think with the housing market back in focus, Lendlease would be my top pick there. Do you like Lend Lease Pork? Has it been built up lately? Look, it has been built up, of course. There's, a, there's the odd uh, takeover rumour floating around about Lend Lease, mm. and uh, I have no in- insight well than I've read. So, look, I, I'm sort of, yeah, maybe I like Lend Lease. I think it's, it, there's some value there. I, I think the other thing uh, we've just got to look at is that, of course, as Julia said, a lot's going to depend on the makeup of the Senate. That probably yeah. won't be known for some weeks and some months. We won't actually know what happens with these policies. So, uh, my guess is the market might put politics to one side next week and say, this is nice, it's over. Mm. And, uh, you know, but as we move into the second half of the year and some of these policies are coming up and we talk about the implementation and the changes on the 1st of January, the market might weigh up again some of the political risk factors. So okay. uh, I'll probably with Jordan and think we'll be, you know, it should be good in the short term for mm. uh, the market's once this election's out of the way. What do you think is going to happen with the China-US trade negotiations? Do you think we're going Look, to... I think the... Go on. I think the US-China trade talks, um, they will ultimately, ultimately be successful. I think the US has more to lose from a political standpoint, whereas China has more to lose from an economic standpoint. And if you look at the US, which is in a position of strength at the moment with the US economy going strong... They have the upper hand. They've got nothing to lose, really, to drag these talks as close to the election campaign next year in November as much as possible and make it the centrepiece of President Trump's campaign. So, look, I think these talks will ultimately be successful. I think that President Trump is in a position of strength at the moment. Don't forget, his first book was The um, the Art of uh, the Deal, and I think he's you know, putting some of those uh, words into practice and perhaps uh, taking the upper hand, he has the upper hand, and using it to his advantage given that the US elections will be next year in November and hopefully making it the centrepiece of his campaign. I, I think there's a lot to happen in the markets, Julia. I think it's very interesting. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting week-ish uh, as we go through. I guess, you know, the, the, the unknown here is we haven't talked about as a Liberal win. I think everyone thinks that's unlikely. Yeah. The unknown here is whether offshore starts to get a little more concerned. Mm. Offshore typically don't like Labor governments. And, uh, you know, Bill's policies aren't that left, but then there's a little bit of leftishness in them, which would be enough to upset some foreign investors. Mm. And so we haven't... I don't know whether you've seen much in the radar, Julia, from foreign investors and what their position will be with a change of government. But there's a couple of unknowns there that are going to play out in the next three to six months, I guess. You got any views on, on... Look, I think the key is to have that certainty. Um, I think that um, the government here in Australia, we've had such, so many changes in leadership that's mm. re- really led to 
um, a bit of caution from international investors. But if we were to get a bit of certainty in terms of the political environment, I think that would be an overall positive environment for overseas investors. Having said that, I really do think it is the global factors which are driving mm. markets at the moment. Yeah. And that is extremely low interest rates, probably for longer by the US Federal Reserve, and also that possible uh, possible positive conclusion of those US-China trade talks. Julia Lee from Bill Direct, thanks for joining us on the program. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Julia. Well, Paul, what do you think? Uh, I haven't asked you. Who do you think is going to win on Saturday? I think uh, Labor by a couple, but I'm, uh, I'm interested in what happens in Herbert, I think, in a couple of seats in New South Wales. I just worry when, uh, th- I mean, the press is uh, obviously privy to um, lots of internal polling coming mm-hmm. out from the parties, and it just seems to be that they're they seem to be more confident that it's heading for a Labor win and also the bookies seem a lot more confident and it's hard to hard to argue that Labor's into one fourteen today, one fifteen yeah. and the Liberals out to five dollars fifty. So it's funnier things have happened, but uh this week out you have to say that uh, Labor looks like though uh, we Bill will be giving the victory speech at about 11 o'clock on Saturday night. A lot of my Conservative friends are really hoping. I've actually compared Scott Morrison to Stephen Bradbury, and Mm -hmm. for them, they like the idea. But, But, see, Donald Trump got up, but Morrison hasn't become a Trump factor. You know, he's been good, he's campaigned well, but nothing like the kind of divisiveness that Trump put into the US election and came up with a surprise result. They didn't think he was going to win, did they? They did, and then again, I mean, Hillary did get three million more popular votes, and yeah. so it really came down to states rather than to the popular mm. vote. And the news poll, of course, is, is, is weighted across Australia. So, look, the, the, the prospect for the, for the Liberals, of course, is they can actually not lose in seats in Queensland, pick up one in New South Wales and a couple of Tasmania, mm. and then perhaps lose one or two in Victoria. But the odds seem to be against them mm. because the redistribution down there makes it less favourable, and... You know, those... those uh, the, Vicks, know. the Vicks are really... That's the most progressive state and they want to be yeah, progressive. Yeah. And, they're, they're, kind of, they're kind of aristocratic compared to the rest <laughs> of us, but they're really lefties. They're Chardonnay socialists in many Chardonnay. ways. Chardonnay. Well, look, all, to all our Melbourneian and Victorian listeners... Yeah. Um, we love you like we, brothers and sisters, <laughs> but we do... Like, you voted for Daniel Andrews. Even Richo can't work out why the Victorians voted for Daniel Andrews. But it's just the way it is. And I think, um, I think Labor will win. And I'm really hoping that Bill ends up being a liar and doesn't carry through. Would you like some Bill to have policies. a little majority or a big majority? What do you think uh, would be better for um, better for Australia? I think a decent, a working majority. But I still think the Senate needs to mm. be restrictive on some of his policies. Like I'd hate to think negative gearing changes were introduced while house prices are still falling. Yeah, that kind of policy could be introduced when there's a bit of a, a house price boom on to take the pressure off and that is probably what should have been done as opposed to what APRA did which I think was like you know breaking a uh, walnut with a sledgehammer mm. uh, but I think you know I think the world is sick and tired of Australia having you know um, confused leadership and it's about time we had sort of a stable government okay that's the show for today thanks for joining us everybody that's Paul Rickard I'm Peter Switzer see you next week <laughs>